You know, sometimes we wonder, how can you declare that? How can I say that? How can I feel like that? Because in here, we're going to take communion. Right now, we're going to receive communion. And communion is this. It's us remembering that God gave the life and the body of His Son at the end. He gave the life and the body of His Son for you and I. Amen? And through that, that declares that it is finished. That it is done. Jesus hung on the cross. And the last three words He said, He said, It is finished. Amen. That's the declared Word of God. That is the declared Word of God in your life and in my life. He took every sin, every transgression, every judgment. Second Peter says that by His stripes you were healed. I want you to listen to it. What did, listen to what Jesus said to the disciple on the night that, that He gave His life, the night He was betrayed. He said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. And this is the new covenant that I'm making with you. That you are the redeemed of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me put you like this. If I gave you a million dollars and you deposited it in the bank, would I have to convince you that you have a million bucks? <laughs> then why do we have to convince you you're redeemed? God has given you the fullness of His life. You have the deposit of His life on the inside of you. God has deposited His life in you. It's just as real as if you put a sum or an amount in your account and you knew you could, you, it's in there and you know you can draw on it. You can draw on the deposit that God has placed in your life. Well, I'm glad three people are excited. I wonder why God doesn't answer my prayers. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen to what Jesus said. Listen to what's said about the Lord in Hebrews 10. Verse 4, it says, For it is, for it is, not, impo- it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when He came into the world, He said, Sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for Me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. For by one offering he hath protected forever, perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Verse 14. Jesus came and perfected God's work in you and me. So this morning as we receive, would you just remember what He's done for you? Would you stand with me this morning? You could exit to your left and let the ushers serve you. Come down the left aisle and go back to the right. And we're going to pray and receive communion together. Father, today we thank You. We thank You that You looked at us. I'm just going to pause. I feel the Holy Spirit just remind me. I want you to look up here just for a second. How many have ever gone someplace and seen something and then asked, how much does that cost? How much does that cost? And then they told you and you said, well, well, that's very nice. Thank you. Because that's more than you were able to pay or more than you were willing to pay. To re... Listen to redeem that as your own. Are you listening to me? So you you saw it, you were interested in it, and you would like to have it as your own. But it was going to cost more than you were willing or able to pay to redeem it to yourself. To have as your own possession. When God created you, He knew how much it would cost to redeem you as His possession to Himself. And not only was He able and able to afford to pay it, He was willing to pay it, and that's what you're holding in your hands. You cost the life, the body, and the blood of His Son. He says, I so want to redeem you to myself, 
I will pay this much for you. So remember this morning how valuable you are to God. Amen. Father, we thank you today that you looked upon us in our brokenness, our failure, every aspect of our life that in no way measured up to what you created us to be, but you chose to redeem us so that you could renew and restore us. So, Father, today we thank you as we hold in our hand this bread. We remember that you gave the life and the body of your Son as the price to redeem us to yourself. And with reverence, with honor, and humble respect today, Father, we remember how much you love us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Would you receive the bread with me? Father, we thank you that you redeemed us in brokenness and made us whole. And we thank you for the blood that speaks and declares that we are washed, cleansed, and forgiven from all of our sins. So, Lord, today we ask for your forgiveness. I want you to just take a moment just before we partake of the cup that symbolizes and causes us to remember innocent blood shed for our sins if you have anything you need to release let go confess to the Lord right now so that you with clean hands and a clean heart would remember his life just ask the Lord to forgive you right now first John says that if we confess our sin he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so father today we ask for your forgiveness Father, forgive us for our thoughts, for our actions and deeds. Lord, today, forgive us of our sin. We remember the price that was paid for us to receive forgiveness was the lifeblood of your Son. And Father, today, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Do you receive with me? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, if you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Did you bring your Bible? Amen. You need your Bible. In fact, it was funny. We were up with the, you can bring that up. Marsha will pray. Praise the Lord. We were up there in the men's camp. We got up where there was no cell reception. It was awesome. Amen. Stretch your hands out here. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, your grace in our life. Father, I thank you for the kindness and the generosity of your people, Father, to bring increase into your kingdom. You said if we would sow, you would multiply the seed that we sow back to us so that we would be a people who requires no assistance or aid, but we're able to bless those when needs come before us. So, Father, I pray your increase upon the giving of your people and the increase of your kingdom in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good stuff. Praise God. Amen. Well, let's make our declaration this morning. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you for your word that's alive and it produces your life in us. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do in our lives today in Jesus' name. And somebody said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I just, we've been in this series on the Holy Spirit, and the Lord keeps giving me these little interjections to deal with here. And this morning I want to talk to you about life as it should be. Life as it should be. Praise the Lord. So John chapter 10, if you have there in verse 10, if you want to go there. John 10, 10, Jesus makes a declaration. And we hear it all the time. John 10, 10, he's speaking about the door. He's speaking about uh, who he is and that. But in verse 10, he makes this declaration. The thief comes does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And we know that the thief he's talking about is the devil, right? So we know that God said the thief, Satan comes, he comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. And, but Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Amen. And so to think about that, we, we hear that, yes, that sounds awesome, abundant life. What does that mean? 
How do we live by that? And how do we see the fullness of the application of that in our life? And so this morning, I'm going to illustrate to you this to you in a little bit just with these illustrations of the plumb line. If you have your Bible, turn to Amos chapter 7 just for a moment. We'll read one more verse. Amos chapter 7 in the Old Testament. Go to Ezekiel and turn all the way over to Ezekiel and then start going back to your right and you'll run into Amos. Daniel after Joel chapter 7. Daniel sees a vision, verse 7, it says, Thus he showed me, behold, the Lord stood on a wall made with a plumb line, with the plumb line in his hand. So Daniel's, I mean, Amos is receiving a vision of the Lord standing on the wall with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And he said, I see a plumb line. Then the Lord said, behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will not pass by them anymore. Now in construction, a plumb line is used for things to be straight. When a plumb line hangs, then that means that the mark from here to where that point is, is perfectly perpendicular or perfectly in line. It's vertically perfectly in line in that. And if you are building a foundation, building a life, building a wall. If you don't get that straight, everything you build up from there is off. Everything else. If you hang a door and a door is out of plumb, it won't close. It won't work right because it's just, well, how, how far off can it be? Well, how closed do you want your door? <laughs> Amen. Um, and so levels do the same thing. We can stand that up next to there, and it gives that, and the bubble in the middle tells you where level is. And then, how many know some people that are just about half a bubble off? <laughs> couple, couple. <laughs> so look at your outline with me. What about the plumb line of God? The plumb line of God would be defined as righteousness. We hear that term righteousness. What does righteousness mean? It means this. This is the best and clearest definition of righteousness for our life that, that I think we could have. It just simply means this. As it should be. As it should be. Jesus came so you could have life as it should be. To restore your righteousness in him as it should be the righteousness of God is all things as they should be all things right in him by him through him and our lives being in him you see God sets a plumb line of his word before us to reveal to us life as it should be and he works in our lives by his spirit to bring our lives into alignment with his word. Everything God does in your life, he does to bring in alignment. How many of you have ever been to a chiropractor? You go there and you get adjustment. They, they realign. When your spine gets out of alignment, when a vertebrae gets out of place and, and you are out of alignment, you are in pain. Hello? Amen? You don't function right. Nerves get pinched. And, 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 and it's out of a line here, but it's pinching a nerve that is affecting things someplace else. And so alignment is key to our life. To have life as it should be. Hey, hey doctor, can you put my back back as it should be? Because this isn't cool. So can you help me get realigned? Are you doing all right? So God works in our life to align our life with his word. Jesus, as the word made flesh, showed us life as it should be. He is the plumb line of God, and our lives are to be brought into alignment with his. He is our righteousness. Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, it's there in your outline, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and what? 
his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You live in a world that says, seek all these things, and if you have some time, give some time to God. But God said, if you see, if you live your life in proper alignment, you won't have the pressures that everybody around you lives under. Live your life in proper alignment with God. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, but of him you are in Christ, who became for us from God, Wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So Jesus is our righteousness. Look inside your outline. Righteousness declares that God has set a standard for life. That standard is connected to his truth. We live in a world today that, defines, that defies the existence of absolute truth. I just came and said, this is my standard. When you come and come, that's what people don't like about God. This is my standard. That's what people don't like about when preachers preach the whole word. Let me give you something. I, I wrote this the other day. I just think about this. In fact, I was driving. I, I did a voice text to myself while I was driving up. I felt the Spirit of God say this. Are you a picky eater? Anybody in here a picky eater? Yeah. So this is what we do. See, we all have certain foods that we choose not to eat. Right? I heard one somebody tell about President George Bush Sr. That he hated broccoli. Anybody heard that? He didn't want broccoli anywhere in the White House, didn't want on Air Force One, anywhere he went, no, not Camp David, no broccoli allowed anywhere. Didn't like it at all. Some people don't like their food to touch. And those people? Don't let that touch. I said, what's going to happen when you swallow? You got, you got compartments down there, veggies over here, meat over here, dessert back here. No, I'm just mean. Anyway. Anyway, some people only want their food cooked a certain way. Some people don't like it spicy or hot food. See, we all have, we all have our own variation of a discriminating palate. So let me, what if we applied that to the word? Are you a picky eater when it comes to the word? Are there certain scriptures you don't like? Are there certain scriptures you don't want to touch? You know, right? Are there certain scriptures that are just too spicy and hot for you? Amen. So think about that. You see, when it comes to the word of God, it's declared to be the bread of life. God said it in Deuteronomy, and Jesus said it to the devil in Matthew 4 in the temptation. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus declared that man, that, that that's how we live, by God's word. A spiritual picky eater will be deficient in the nourishment needed to defeat the enemy. If I'm a picky eater when it comes to the word, I won't have the nourishment I need to defeat the enemy. Because a thief is coming to steal, to kill, and to destroy. When the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against all the wiles of the devil then that doesn't just happen just by you going, yeah, I, I, I believe that. It comes by being nourished by the word, being built up and strengthened by the word. Amen. When it comes to God's word, we can't afford to have a discriminating palate. When we discriminate in our taste for the word, we lose and the devil wins. I'm giving ground to the devil because I've discrim become discriminatory in how I approach God's word. We need the whole counsel of God's word. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul encourages us to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might to put on the whole armor of God. It's already quoted that we are able, that we are to be equipped and able to stand against and overcome all the tricks and schemes of the enemy. When I'm a picky eater with a discriminating palate towards God's word and I only eat the scriptures that appease my personal appetite, I rob myself of the strength and the armor I need to defeat the devil. Amen. People do that. You talk about different areas. You, you go topically through the Bible and say, well, I, I don't know if that's for today. That's old. I don't, I don't know. That, that doesn't apply to me today. I'm kind of picky on the scriptures that I think apply to me today. This is really good preaching this morning. I'm glad you guys are amening me so encouragingly. Hallelujah. Good stuff. Why am I saying that? Because the world you live in defies the absolute truth. This is what I ask you. Let, let me give you this. What's your standard for truth in your life? 
Well, what's your plumb line? Every, you, you, you've made a decision. Every one of you has made a decision what your standard of truth is, what your plumb line is. But God says, this is truth. My word is truth. This is it. The world doesn't like this. That's why many times people don't like the word. Well, I know the Bible says that, but. Doing all right? Or, and so, because the Bible doesn't deal in options, it deals in absolutes. The Word of God doesn't give us options, it gives us absolute truth. And, and I live my life by that truth, or I, I choose to live my life kind of like this. And just kind of hang out over here, you know. Or instead of being fixed on truth, and you've heard me say this before. A plumb line hangs straight and true. A plumb line is not a pendulum. It doesn't swing with emotion. It doesn't do that. It, it, the, the plumb line of God is not a pendulum. It doesn't swing from side to side. But, but, but our world wants to live in a place with no fixed truth. This, this is the world you live in. There's no set, fixed truth or standard in life. We live in a secular, humanistic, atheistic, postmodern society that rejects truth as an absolute. Man wants truth to be on his own terms. To be fluid, adjustable, amenable to his own standards and desires, but never absolute. And until God's word becomes the absolute truth in my life, I never see the full performance of it in my life. We hear the phrases like, that's your truth. That may be true for you. I have my truth. I know you believe, but I have my truth. And my truth is as valid as your truth. Not if it's not the truth. And you live in a world today that says if you believe the truth, then there's something wrong with you for believing in absolute truth. Think about this. People who reject the absolute truth of God's word want you to accept their self-divine truth as absolute. I'm not going to accept this, but you have to accept my truth as absolute truth. I designed this. That's the age you're living. Everything about our world is being redefined. From gender identity to everything, just go out from there. Everything is being redefined in, in, in all kinds of areas. And then people are saying that that redefined truth has to be accepted as an absolute truth for life as it should be. But God's plumb line says this is life as it should be. Are you doing all right? Because if there are no absolutes, let me just help you. If there's no absolutes, there's no truth. Without absolutes, there's no truth. You say, Pastor, how can you say that? Because truth never changes. Truth never changes. What is true today is true tomorrow. Doing all right? Yes. Truth does not change. That's why God brings us to the change. That's why God brings change in us and conforms us to his nature and image and aligns our life in balance with his truth so we can have life as it should be. Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The way it should be. But in order for my life to have his life, I have to align my life up with the word. Now, when you go to the chiropractor and he adjusts you, I miss the old days. Now they, they have these little popper things they do. It's like, I go, that's not a real adjustment. You're supposed to twist me and I'm supposed to hear it go pop, pop, pop. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Anyway, I was an old school guy in that. And so, uh, but in that adjustment and then the tweak and then there's pain, we want everything about life adjusted without any conflict, any pain, nothing being tweaked. We've been in, in putting up and uh, doing the framing stuff over there and buying lumber. And when you go the, the, the lumber yard, most of, most of the lumber you get is wet wood. And so it's been soaked, it's been killed in there. And so then you get it and then you put it as it dries out, it decides to do its own thing. 
And so Troy's been going through, and we've had that, some walls we framed up with fresh lumber. We've had to go in and put, because they bowed out like this. And that. Well, in order to keep them in line for sheetrock and everything else we're getting ready to do over there shortly, is that you have to go through, you have to put saw cuts in them, and then put drive wedges in them and <laughs> re-straighten them. And so that lumber is not real excited about having a saw run through it and a wedge driven in it and then being shaved off with a planer on the other side. But we want the walls to be plumb. We don't want people to go in there and feel like they're in the Winchester House of Mystery. We don't want you sitting on one of the new toilets and get vertigo and fall off. Amen. We want things to be plumb and straight. Amen. So, but it takes some adjustment. So when God comes to your life and he starts to line up your life, what happens? I start feeling the saw cut go through. I feel the wedge being driven in. I feel the planer going, Ramp. doing all right? John 8, 31, after Hebrews 13, 8 says there, Jesus came so we could have life as it should be. Jesus is the same, and he never changes. He is the truth. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, and forever. In John 8, 31, he says this, there in your outline. Jesus said to those Jews who believe in him, If you abide in my word, and you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the what? And the what? Shall make you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, what? I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He is not a truth. You live in a world that is telling you now that there are many ways to God. Many paths. Everything ends up, we all end up the same place, regardless of what church, synagogue, mosque, whatever place, whatever house of worship you want to go to, they're all the same. Jesus didn't say everything the same. He said, I am the way the truth, the life. Without me, there is no living. Without me, there is no knowing. Without me, there is no going. Okay? That, that's who I am. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Are you doing okay? And so now you have to decide in living by this, when you live your life in alignment with God, you end up out of alignment with the world. You're now out of alignment with the world. And the world's always pushing on you to bring it back in line with it. That's why the Bible says don't be conformed to this world, but be changed and transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't think like the world. Think like God. Amen. Doing okay? So watch this. So here we are. Truth is the balancing point of life. It's foundational. I was hoping, I wanted to do this. I was hoping it would work, but it, it, it didn't work out. I was trying to get the edges just a little too thin right here. But it's a balancing point that I could get this level on here. Just right to balance. But at that point, it's like... Let's see it. Sensitive, huh? Sensitive, huh? Sensitive, huh? How sensitive are you to God's balancing point in your life? Doesn't take a lot. And so the Holy Spirit's always moving to keep us in alignment with God. He's always there to lead us and to guide us into all truth. See, it's just tight. And it's like this. How much does that have to move to be out of alignment? Not much. So truth is that balancing point. Look at it in your outline. It's foundational. If we miss it, our whole life will be off. Just as foundation is key to a structure, truth is key to our life. The longer we build out of plumb and out of balance, the greater the damage and effect will be to the structure of our life. Let me illustrate to you like this. This is a... Okay, this is a laser. Okay? And so, if I was going to line this up, I would get the laser in line with the plumb line. And it'll quit moving. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay, now. That's in line, and that'll go all the way up. And in a moment, it'll quit wobble-dobbling. But it'll find balance there. And so, now what? As that goes up, so that takes everything, and it keeps going up. And if I stay in line, everything I build up from there will be perfectly in line. It, it, it'll be as it should be. You doing all right? But how much do I have to move to get off? Watch. Watch this. Quit wobble-dobbling. So it doesn't take much. Can you see? I just barely moved this. And I didn't even move that barely a quarter of an inch down there. And now it's clean off of the mark. And look where it is over there. It's moved over a foot up there. And just, just a little movement to the right. And, and the longer I build like that, the further it gets. Okay? Which is why when, when we send men into space, the one thing they focus on is trajectory. Because when you're flying that far out, and you have an entry point coming back in, and you have to come in at a specific angle... If you're off just a degree or two, you're toast. Or, 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 or you'll hit the, or, or when they re-entry, they have to come in at an exact angle or they'll skip off the atmosphere. It's amazing. And you say, Pastor, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to tell you how important alignment is in our life with God and how to take the world and where you're living right now, especially today. Look at this whole thing that we just went through with this COVID garbage. And the whole world is telling you, align with this. And, and God's words have something in you is saying, that's not true. How, how far do I go to align with that? But the more I go with the world and everything else that comes with it, and everything goes along with it, and you keep watching what's happening now, and everything that's happening with <coughs> all the mandates and the vaccines, and do it, without any verification... I'm not against anybody. You, you do whatever your conscience tells you, but about God verifies everything he says to us. He substantiates everything he says and stands behind it. And so in that, but the world keeps adjusting you, and I keep watching people and doing that. And as you read your scriptures, you find out that at the end, you wonder, how could a world go down to a place? How could people in a world get to a place where they would accept the mark of the beast, where they would not be able to buy or sell or do other things? Well, we got people accepting the mask of the beast right now. I put it like that. There, there's no real validation or anything for that. In fact, they've proven that masks are more detrimental to your health than they are helpful. Right. Amen. And nobody ever wears a mask and puts it off. If you go in and wear a mask for sanitary purposes, for health purposes, when you when you're, have the potential of being around something that is contagious, you don't go into a contagious environment with a mask on and then put it in your pocket and save it for later. You know, I'm, I'm kind of like Forrest Gump. I'm not a smart man, but I can figure that much out. I don't need to suck something in and put it in my pocket so I could suck on it again later, man. It's not a lollipop. Amen. But, but so we do all this stuff, and then they get that. We carry this stuff around. We do everything else. And the, but, but people are complying because we're aligning. In so many ways, that's just one illustration that we align with, and you watch people. How, how many know the virus doesn't live outside? The safest place for you to be is outside. The safest place for you to be when it comes to this virus is outside. Where have they not wanted you to be? But I'll, I'll lock myself up, I'll stay in there, and I'll, be, I'll, I'll align with that. And, and I'll allow myself to be locked up in fear. Amen. And then they got you thinking, well, I have to wear this outside. There's nobody around you. You're walking. Sue and I went up April. We went up to, to camp up there at the Redwood. And we, we, we love going to Prairie Creek campgrounds and hiking through the Redwood Path there. But we're going and, and people are we're on a trail in the Redwoods outside. And people are coming to walk. And, and all of a sudden, they pull their masks off, start walking over the side. I said, Sue, I'm going to do this. I just wanted to one time. I restrained. I restrained. Amen. 
Say, Pastor, where are you going with this? I have no idea right now. Go back to this point. Truth is the balancing point of life. Truth is the balancing point of life. And, and when I'm living by the truth, this is for me. When I'm living by God's truth, there's things that are happening around me. I can't explain it. I can't define it. I can't articulate why. Something inside me just says, this is not in line with what I feel the Holy Spirit showing me. This doesn't align with the truth that I'm trying to live my life in agreement with. And so and until I feel that alignment, it's hard for me to say yes. And I don't care what it is. I don't care whether it's a doctor's report over my physical health. I don't care whether it's a financial report over something. I don't care whether it's whatever the world is saying. Whatever the report is, I think I choose to re- believe the report of the Lord. Are you doing all right? And just stay in that area. So think about it. It's foundational. If we miss it, the further we build, the farther off our life gets. Now what? The longer we build out of plumb and out of balance, the greater the damage and effect will be to the structure of our life. This truth is what makes the gospel so powerful. Because God comes not to just try to fix the mess we built out of plumb and out of balance. No. He comes to give a brand new resurrected life built fresh and new. God didn't say, I'm not going to work and work on you. What we're doing to those studs over there and straightening those walls, that isn't what God does to us. He works and keeps us in alignment. But what he does, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a brand new life. I'm going to give you a brand new foundation. As a newborn baby in Christ, you will grow up fresh and new with new life in me. Not old life made new. A brand new life in me. Amen. That's what he gives us. Praise the Lord. So watch this. He gives us a life that's plumb and in balance with the foundation of of his word. That's why knowing who the Holy Spirit is and knowing how to live in relationship with God in the spirit is so vital to our lives, being built plumb and in balance with his word. You know, I'm amazed. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, people have very discriminating tastes. People become very picky eaters when it comes to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Over there, people say, well, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to be accountable to that, whatever. But all different views in how we receive the word of God. Jesus said this. Look at this in John 16. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, when he, the spirit of what? The spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears... He will speak, and he will tell you things to come. How many know it would be nice to know some things that are coming right now? So you have a helper who has been sent. He's here to reveal and unfold things to us of things to come, so we're not surprised. But he is the spirit of truth. He's here to lead and to guide us in all truth and help us to keep our lives in line with this. But I have to listen to his voice. Listen, he will tell you. So the Holy Spirit has a voice. God's Spirit has a voice in your life. And I have to learn to hear His voice. I shared it with you a few weeks ago. How many have people, when they call you, they don't have to say who they are on the phone. You know their voice. That you do, oh, hey, how you doing? And you say their name. Because you've learned their voice. God's voice is the same. You can learn His voice and know when He's speaking in your life. Are you doing all right? But you've learned their voice because you've heard it many times. You have to position yourself. God speaks to you through his word. And you'll begin to hear his voice here. And when you read the word and when you pray, you're asking God to speak into your life. And you begin to understand how God speaks to you. You begin to recognize his voice and the way that he communicates with you. Amen? Hallelujah. So let me just finish this up this morning. The Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father, and all the promises of God are yes and amen. Jesus said in Luke 24, 49, just walk through these scriptures with me in your outline. Behold, I send the promise of what? My Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Acts chapter 1, he said this, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You could read Acts 2.33 and Acts 2.39 also, Peter referring to the promise. 
For the promise is to you and to your children, to your children's children, he said. See, God made a promise to redeem Israel, his people, out of slavery at the appointed time of promise. We must understand that promises have appointed time. Some are active and in the now of our lives, and some are in the eternal purpose of God. I, I put this in there for this reason. Because when we're standing on the promises of God, we are a society and a culture and a people that want everything win. Now, and if we don't get it when, we get what? Upset. And we start to whine. And we start to complain. And we give up. Thinking to have to wait 25 years to receive a promise. I'm sorry, that's asking too much. This is the year 2021. We're past the need of waiting, God. Everything else in our life happens. How many get mad when you get on your phone and it doesn't answer you right? You can't get something right away. What's the matter with the service? You go to somebody's house. Can I have your Wi-Fi? Man, you're so slow. You need to upgrade your speed, man. I need to be able to get stuff now. God, what's happening, man? I prayed three seconds ago. Some are active now. Let me just say it to you like this. If it's in the now, how can I say this? It's yours when you receive it, not when it shows up. The promises of God are yours when you receive them in you. When you allow it to be deposited in you and you align your life in agreement with God. I agree. Yes. Amen. What what does amen mean? Whatsoever thing, Jesus said like this, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. He didn't say whatsoever things you desire when you pray, you receive them. He said, believe that you receive them. And I love what Jerry Savelle says, and we've taught it to you before. You live between amen, and there it is. You you live in this space between amen, and there it is. But when you say amen, and it shows up, and there it is, it should be no more real to you then than it was when you said amen. It becomes fully yours when you say amen. I believe it. You said it. I believe it. It is. So what? That's what I say. We sing it. We sing it. But singing is not worship. Obedience is worship. You said it. I believe it. It is done. I'm not going to move off of it. I'm not going to touch it again with doubt. I'm not going to let fear move me off of it. I'm going to live my life aligned to your word. You said it. It is finished. It's done. I believe it. Amen. The worst team come back. We're going to sing that song again. You're going to let it do something in you. Stephen said in Acts 17, listen to this. But when the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt. But when the time of the promise drew near, watch this. God said to Moses, you're going to bring the people out. They're going to go into Egypt. And in 400 400 years, they'll be in Egypt for 400 years, and then I'll bring them out. Or he said to Abraham anyway, not to Moses. But he said to Abraham. And then at the time when it was time, then he raised up Moses to be the deliverer. At the appointed time. Somebody say appointed time. God has appointed time for your life. And even when God gives us visions and dreams and revelations, when we see things or we hear God's voice in that, quit trying to touch it and make it happen in your time. God makes everything just right and gets you positioned so that when the full fulfillment comes, you receive it in fulfillment, not in part. Amen. 
God didn't ask you to help him bring it to pass. He made the promise. If you make a promise to someone, how many of you expect him to fulfill the promise on your behalf? No, 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 you missed it. If you make a promise to do something to someone, how many expect them to do what you promised to do for them? You didn't ask him to get involved and make it happen. When you receive God's promises, he said it. He's going to do it. I'm going to live in alignment with it. That's it. I trust God. I believe God. And it works. Are you doing okay? Watch it. Acts 13. And we declare to you glad tidings, that promise which was made to the fathers. God had fulfilled for us their children. In that he raised up Jesus. As it is also written in the second psalm. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And that he raised him up from the dead. No more to return to corruption. He has spoken thus. I will give you the sure mercies of David. He also said in Galatians. Listen to this in Galatians. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Have been made a curse for us. For it is written. Cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ. That we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. For if the inheritance is of the law. It is no longer a promise. God gave it to Abraham by promise. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to what? So we receive everything God has for us for the promise. So I just begin to align myself up in agreement with God's word. That's your standard. You said you came that I could have life as it should be. Every promise in your word is to bring life to me as it should be. Praise the Lord. Every promise of God is connected to his righteousness and the return of our lives to life. It comes to pass at the appointed time. God, I don't need to get in there. I don't need I just need to trust you. You know exactly what you're doing in my life. Are you doing okay? And he makes it work. He didn't create us. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. He created us out of his desire to have someone to express, share, and give his love to. You were created for this purpose. Every one of you in this room. You were created for this purpose by God. So that he could express. Share. And give his love to you. That's why God created man. All of humanity. Someone who would accept his proposal. To live in a love relationship with him. In life. Get this. As it should be. Amen. When I asked Sue to marry me, I proposed to her. I said, will you come into my life and live life with me? And in that proposal, I'm saying to her, I'm choosing to do life with you for the rest of my life. Everything we do as humanity is because we're made in the image and the likeness of God. People long for a relationship with a person that they can do life with in love. We want to be joined with somebody that we, we, we don't want to be, we don't want friction in our relationship. We don't want the heartache in our, we want to be joined in a complete love relationship. Where does that desire come from? You're made in the image and likeness of God. So, so we want to be brought into that. God said, I created you out of my desire. And now I've given you a proposal. The gospel is God's propose, love proposal to you. He says, I invite you to come live life joined to me. That's why the church is called the bride of Christ. And we're brought into a marriage relationship with him. Marriage is a union. Of two becoming one. And we're brought into a love union with God where we love Him and He loves us and we love Him because He first loved us. And, and we have this great exchange of love with our Heavenly Father. Are you doing all right? But He invites us into that love. That is life as it should be. He purposed all this in Himself before the foundation of the world according to His own eternal purpose. And every promise He has made is contained in that purpose to bring us back into relationship with Him in life as it should be. Why would God send His Son 
And why would we partake of this amazing communion this morning? Because God said, this, no, people are not living life as it should be. So I will send my son to give his life so they can be restored to life as it should be. Are you doing okay? And you need to hear this morning that God loves you. And you've tried, some of you have tried to do the balancing act. And you just get frustrated. Because it just, if I try to do it myself, it's too fine of a point. get it there and so I just need the Holy Spirit I need a helper see I can find balance and I can get it there but I need a helper to stay there so that's perfectly balanced there but if I say I don't need any help I don't need the Holy Spirit I don't need any help I can do this I got this she said no you're going to need a helper doing alright need a helper Stand with me this morning. Say, Patty, what, what are you asking? I'm asking you just to do this song. I'm asking you not to sing this song. I'm asking you just to do it, to believe. Believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what it Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you should be saved. Believe that God loved you so much that He created you to have a love relationship with you. He's invited you into life with Him. He's willing to take the life that you and I have built that's out of plumb and to give us a brand new life and a brand new start on a foundation that can't be shaken and give us a life that's built straight and true as it should be. Hallelujah. Bill and Lloyd, just leave. Come on, I want you to just sing this song and from your heart, just begin to worship God wherever you are. You have an invitation from God to enter into a love relationship with Him. He's made a proposal. The gospel is God's love proposal to you. I love you. Will you enter into this love relationship with me? Will you give your life? Marriage is an exchange of a vow. He's made his vow to you. You partook of the vow that he made to you today. Will you give your life to him? Will you make that vow back to God today? There's somebody in this building today. You need to make that vow to God. You need to just say, yes, God, I'm going to move into that love relationship. I accept your proposal today in Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord just for a moment.